The learning process is a very long one, it's a marathon. It took me at least four to five years of study. If you try to read literature too early, it can be frustrating. A rewarding experience that you can have with a good book, that's the important part, rather than the language itself. I was really convinced that French uh, would have never come out of my mouth. Hello language lovers, today we are here with Stefano Suigo. It's a big pleasure to have you here. Yeah, I'm a really big fan of your work, of the channel, and also you as a person. We've talked a lot already about different topics. And yeah, how are you doing? The pleasure is mine, Eliseo. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I'm good, thanks. You? Yeah, I'm doing great. I'm really happy to have you here. I have a different questions for you, mostly about how to reach higher level from languages and maintain this level. But first of all, can you just introduce a little bit yourself or if there is anyone who doesn't know who you are and, of course. and tell a little bit about uh, your project and who you are. Yeah, my name is Stefano. I'm come, I come from uh, Italy, from Milan. Uh, I've always loved uh, foreign languages and uh, I've started like everybody else probably in at school learning uh, foreign languages and then I discovered that it was just... Uh, the thing that I really wanted to do in my life. So I studied as a translator and interpreter, and then I started that uh, profession. And uh, nowadays I work with uh, uh, online language schools, and I work as a, a lang language consultant, you could say. I help them uh, improve their courses, keep their uh, students happy, and stuff like that. And I really love it. I've also mm, worked as a as an online language tutor for many years. Uh, so I've always worked with, uh, with languages, uh, which is probably part of the reason why I have been able to maintain so many different languages at a higher level, I guess, at least. Yeah, probably it's connected. And, yeah, and I also, um, like, kind of recently, I've started um, sharing my passion for languages also online. Uh, on YouTube by making videos there and my channel is called Lingua e Passione, but we can get back to this later. Yeah, and can, can you tell us what language you speak? Sure, so uh, Italian is my mother tongue, then I can speak uh, English, German, Portuguese, Finnish, French and Romanian at a sea level, and then I can speak some Spanish, Icelandic, uh, Japanese, and I'm just a beginner in Chinese and Georgian. That's it. <laughs> oh yeah, it is really impressive. <laughs> you mentioned that the language that you have, the level C, and mm -hmm. I think that many polyglots are very satisfied when they reach the level B2, and mm. when they become more, more or less conversational and they, they are independent in the language. And why did you decide to, to take it to another level? Like, uh, of course, like due to your, to your work, but I, I believe not for all of the languages, right? Right, right. Um, well, for me, when I start learning a language, uh, the reason usually is that I, I fell in love with it. It's really as simple as that. Um, so I kind of decide that uh, that language is going to uh, be with me for the rest of my life. I don't. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to rush it. I don't try to get to uh, to a certain level quickly. I just accept uh, that learning 
the learning process is a very long one. It's a marathon and uh, I don't really care how quickly I get to, to a certain level. I just keep going and I want the language to be with me all the way. So probably because of that, um, I've spent enough time with these languages to, to be able to, to get to that level without ever uh, um, letting them go in a way, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And for example, if we take uh, Portuguese as an example, mm -hmm. your Portuguese is so good that sometimes I, I wonder if it's really my mother tongue. And how long did it take for <laughs> you uh, to, to reach the level, like the, the sea level? Like for, just for people to have more or less an idea of how long it, it, the marathon is to reach this level. Okay, well, for Portuguese, uh, it didn't take quite as long as, as it took for other languages, uh, probably because... I had already studied some Spanish and of, of course uh, Portuguese is a, a Romance language and it's the same family as my own mother tongue. I also um, took a very, very intensive course. I, I studied like for five months, four hours a day Portuguese. So it was very, very intensive. I was completely dedicated. I almost had nothing else to do than that. So uh, at the end of those five uh, months, I, I had the feeling that I was already pretty, I mean, pretty good at, at Portuguese. And then probably uh, one year later or one and a half years later, I was reading Saramago. Uh, I mean, I was reading Portuguese literature without any problem. So I guess, I guess a couple of years for Portuguese. But other languages such as Finnish took me at least four to five years of study. And you mentioned also that you speak Spanish. And I think mm -hmm. that it's very common that most of people that I know that speak Portuguese and Spanish, they end up <laughs> with one of them, usually Portuguese speaking Portuñol. And, mm -hmm. and how come <laughs> you don't mix them and you can speak like both of them in a very good level, but you, you don't speak Portuñol, uh, you, you, you speak properly, proper Spanish and proper Portuguese, right? Who told you that? It's not true. <laughs> oh, I've heard it, yeah. <laughs> oh, come on. No, I mean, uh, I think that my Spanish is not as, uh, as good at, uh, as, uh, as you say, but, uh, I do, I do speak some Portuñol when I speak Spanish. It doesn't happen the other way around. Obviously, it doesn't happen because my Portuguese is so much stronger, but I do feel that, that when I'm speaking Spanish, uh, I, do try to fill the gaps with my Portuguese and, of course, my Italian as well. So maybe it's not just Portuñol, it's Ital Portuñol or something like that. <laughs> but I think it's, uh, it's only natural that the stronger uh, language like kind of takes the scene when you're, when you're trying to speak the, the weaker one in these cases. Right? I've heard from many people saying that uh, learning Portuguese before learning Spanish should be like a better approach than learning first Spanish and then Portuguese. Do you agree with that? How, how do you see that? For the fact that, you know, I'm, when we talk about phonetics, Portuguese is like more complex. Uh, yeah, grammar yeah, well. probably, yeah, probably that's, um, that's a good point. I think the, the, from the pronunciation, uh, from the richness of the sounds, uh, from that perspective, I think uh, it's an easier step to uh to go from from portuguese to spanish rather than the other way around uh but i've never really thought about this it's a very interesting question i think yeah it's probably that the uh the pronunciation thing pronunciation okay 
Yeah, yeah. And grammar as well, I think, that Portuguese grammar will help more hmm. with Spanish than Spanish grammar with Portuguese. I really don't know. I really don't know. There are there are some things in in Spanish that are pretty tricky as well. It's not like uh, Portuguese's grammar is way more difficult than or complex than uh, than Spanish grammar in my view. You have the uh, a personal, for example, in Spanish that you don't have in Portuguese, and that that's something that, for example, <laughs> creates quite a lot of problems for me when I speak Spanish. I really have to uh, to make the extra effort to remember that uh, that aspect of, of grammar mm -hmm. uh, that we don't have in Portuguese. We mm -hmm. oui. sometimes I speak as, <laughs> but there is somehow like a, a, a version of you in the uh, a Tuga version of you, yeah. Probably yes. <laughs> Yeah, and you had mentioned about books that you were reading Portuguese mm -hmm. literature. Like in your opinion, what's the importance of books in the way to reach the C level from B to C? I think mm, um, it's a it's a very good question. I think it's it can be tricky if you start uh, if you try to learn to to read literature too early. Uh, expecting to understand everything, it can be frustrating. So it can be counterproductive. But if you do realize that you will not uh, understand everything and you take it as a, as a pleasure, the pleasure of reading, the pleasure of understanding even just part of, uh, of what you read, I think it's a great way to, to just uh, uh, expose yourself to a, to a higher uh, level of language which maybe lets uh, uh, a normal conversation appear to be pretty easy <laughs> compared to um, to a to a novel mm -hmm. but i think it's it's really about the pleasure uh, for me it's so important to have fun uh, with languages and uh, uh, if you find a good book uh, and you and you're able to enjoy reading a book in a foreign language it's just so uh, rewarding mm -hmm. it's it's really nice uh, i have read uh, books even in spanish without really understanding everything and i don't care i still i still learned something and i still enjoyed uh understanding some of the plot <laughs> you know but you think that reading literature is uh, is crucial to reach the highest levels c1 c2 i wouldn't say no 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 i would not say that um because literature the language of literature is so different is so so different even if you uh, you can notice this if you read a, a novel in your own uh language mm -hmm. and do that and then try try to think about how many of those words you would use in an everyday situation or even when talking about your favorite topic or uh how many of those uh structures or long sentences that are used in a, in a book, uh, how many would really be uh, useful for you in a day-to-day -day situation, you know? Um, probably not so many. Mm -hmm. So it's really a, an exercise of a, of a richer uh, language, of richer vocabulary. Uh, it's not so important. I think, again, the fun that comes with it and the, reward, the re rewarding experience that you can have with a good book that's the important part, rather than the language itself. Mm -hmm. You see what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, also the the, the cultural uh, part of the books, right? You are learning part of the the historical context uh, of the countries where it was written, and ma many things that when you you were mentioning that you were reading Portuguese literature, you were not only mm -hmm. learning the language but also about the, the country, the history, and 
the people, yeah? So Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yes. Uh, if that applies, obviously, if the book is about, is it like uh, uh, happens in Portugal in our case and uh, and stuff, yeah, of course, it's, uh, it's also, uh, the, the cultural aspect is also there, mm-hmm. for sure, yeah. You you mentioned as well some languages that you speak or that you're learning, uh, which could be considered as a bit exotic or a little bit mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> not common learned. Yeah, they're a little bit uh, unusual. And how do you approach these languages, which they do not have a lot of material available? And how do you keep yourself motivated to learn them once it may be not so easy to find like a native speaker? Well, um Nowadays, it it actually is. <laughs> Nowadays, oh, it's easy it is, to yeah. find to find other uh, other people who with whom you can uh, you can exchange uh, uh, languages, you know. Uh, but yeah, no motivation is really is really key in everything uh, that we do, actually. Uh, so usually, the motivation uh, for me comes from the sheer fun uh, that I have when I listen to. Uh, to a language that I that I love, as I s- said earlier, uh, and also the sheer pleasure that I have when I produce those sounds. You know how how much I love speaking Portuguese, and when I speak Portuguese, I, I re- I'm really happy, and I love producing those sounds. So uh, this gives gives me probably a big chunk of my motivation, but also obviously uh, knowing that if I keep going one day I will have uh, meaningful conversations at a much deeper level with other people that I wouldn't be able to have if I wouldn't, uh, if, if, I did, if I didn't speak their, their language. So uh, these are the most important sources of motivation for me. And, and before we go to our traditional questions that we always have at the end, mm-hmm. is there any reason why you haven't started maybe yet any Slavic language? Oh, uh, good question. Well, I guess I guess the reason is just the same as every other language <laughs> in the world that I haven't started to learn yet. And that mm-hmm. is the spark just hasn't been there yet. Uh, I really need, yeah, yet. I always have to, to say yet because from my own experience, I know that even if I hate a language or if I don't like a language particularly, uh, like like it was the case with French, one day uh, it can happen. <laughs> the spark may be there, and then all of a sudden I love this language and I and I feel the need to to learn it. So it happened with French, it happened with Chinese. I didn't use to like it, but then uh, I just fell in love with 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 them. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, sure, it can happen that uh, one day I fall in love with a with a Slavic language and uh, and that's going to be the start of a new story. <laughs> mm-hmm. or French or Chinese that you had mentioned, mm-hmm. any of these languages or other languages, you have uh, at, at, at a certain point said, uh, I will never learn it. Yes. Or no. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I was really yeah. convinced that, that, that French uh, would have never come out of my mouth in, in my life. And then... I ended up in a French-speaking city, <laughs> and uh, and after a couple of years, I started uh, to to really like it. So, but but mm-hmm. that's 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 telling, you know, because when I moved to Brussels, I still didn't like French, and I went two or three years without even trying to learn French. I just I was just uh, 
um, like against it, you know? Uh, and then all of a sudden I heard a song and that was a spark. And then it just snowballed and I had to learn this language. And, and obviously living in a city where that language is spoken, uh, it was a relatively quick uh, process to, to learn it. But uh, yeah, that's, that's really a testament to how uh, it can happen any day, any day. Mm -hmm. <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah. Lucas asked me some days ago, when are you start when are you starting learning Dutch? And I said, mm, I think never. And I said, wait, I said that I would never start learning Ukrainian. <laughs> and here I am, right? So yeah, <laughs> we never know. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So we have two traditional questions that I always ask at the end before we go to the short mm -hmm. qu questions in different languages. And the first one is, what's your personal definition of fluency? Because okay. everyone says about fluency all the time. And how do you define fluency? What does it mean for you? Hmm. I think for me, it's the ability to uh, function in a foreign language uh, without the other people having to uh to make like too many efforts to to help you uh to help you be with them in the conversation to help you uh, so if if they don't need to do that i think you you can say to be fluent it doesn't it doesn't mean you don't make mistakes obviously it doesn't mean you know all the the, the words that is impossible even in our own mother tongue uh but yeah it's functioning in another language uh without without other people having to make big efforts that's a that's a great a great definition yeah. very pragmatic yeah. <laughs> and the second one is what does it mean for you to be a polyglot oh oh this is very very simple uh it's just to be able to function in uh more than three languages that's it that's it that's it okay. i was actually uh i mean the the word polyglot uh has has I mean, has come up, has, has gone round for quite a few years now. But even when I was in Milan back, back at school, people would say, oh, you're a polyglot in Italian, obviously. Ah, sei un poliglotta. Because I was able to, to say, I mean, to express my ideas in three languages. So for me, it's not such a uh, new word, you know? It's something, something that... Uh, uh, that I've lived with already for a couple of decades. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's also a very good answer. In the beginning, I thought you would give like the dictionary definition, like, oh, speaking more than three, four <laughs> languages. Yeah, but <laughs> it was a great answer. Yeah. So, uh, ready for the language questions? I have some short questions in, in our common languages. Okay, let's do it. To have in common. Let's yeah. do it. So, uh, possiamo iniziare con l'italiano? Benissimo. Eh, come parlare in tante lingue influenza il tuo italiano? Beh, visto che sei un madrelingua. Oh, bella domanda, bella domanda. Allora, um, ci sono delle interferenze, le cosiddette interferenze. Certe volte mi accorgo che eh, quando parlo italiano dico una cosa che in realtà non esiste in italiano ma che viene direttamente, <ride> diciamo, come se fosse tradotta da una delle lingue eh, che parlo e me ne accorgo ancora, cosa molto positiva, significa che ancora so quale sarebbe la cosa giusta da dire in italiano, eh, ma forse un giorno non me ne accorgerò più, 
e allora parlerò un italiano che non è più corretto. <ride> Forse è esattamente quello che succede con le persone che parlano sempre a casa in, in dialetto e, e fuori parlano in italiano, no? C'è una, una influenza molto grande del, del, del dialetto nel loro italiano. Esatto, assolutamente, ottima sì. osservazione, sì sì, è proprio così. E uh, queste persone di solito perdono il, la concezione del limite che divide, uh-huh. no? Del confine fra il dialetto e l'italiano, quindi è tipico, è una cosa che succede a tutti perché siamo esseri umani. A seconda pergunta pode ser in portoghese. Molto bene. Sim, falas tão bem portoghese che muitas vezes parece ter una, una propria identidade, una versione tuga do, do Stefano. Uh-huh. Também tens a mesma, a mesma impressione oh, yeah. che criaste a tua propria identidade <risos> em português? Olha, eu acho que eu tenho... Até podemos dizer que, que eu tenho uma, uma identidade em cada uma das línguas que falo em nível alto. Por exemplo, tenho uma, uma identidade finlandesa e, e quando falo finlandês quase não sou a, a mesma pessoa. Portanto, não sorris. É, muito, muito menos. Muito, muito menos. É exatamente isso. Uh, portanto, sim, a resposta é sim. Tenho outra identidade quando falo outras línguas. Muito bem. E... Sim, espanhol. Ok. Aprendeste primeiro, uh, primeiro português ou espanhol? E que variante elegiste vos? Que variante do espanhol? É... Foi em la escola, então sim. Uh, primeiro, primeiro espanhol. Eh, estudié durante, não sei, sé, três anos em la, em la escola. Uh, el espanhol de España, el castellano. Uh-huh. Eh, y después eh, en, la, en la universidad eh, aprendí portugués y como sabes eh, me gustó muchísimo y, eh, y bueno decidí aprender, aprender eh, eh, portugués en vez, en vez que, que, que el castellano pero eh, no sé cómo <ríe> he logrado mantener también un poco, un poco el español, eh, aunque no lo, no lo utilice mucho en mi vida. Uh-huh. Mm. Uh-huh. Y hoy hablas mejor portugués que español, ¿no? Sí, claro. Sí, sí. sí. Clarísimo. Bueno, oui, en, en francés. En francés, sí. Je ne parle pas très bien, mais bon, on, on peut l'essayer. Oui. Euh, tu as dit que tu, as appris le français, tu n'as pas appris le français avant d'aller vivre en, en Belgique. Oui. Ton français est plutôt belge ou c'est en français, <rire> français euh, standard ouais. euh, aujourd'hui, c'est, Comment c'est ça J'adore cette question. Euh, bah, je pense que je parle avec... Euh, je ne sais pas si j'ai, si j'ai un, un fort accent belge, mais sans doute j'utilise les, les mots euh, que les gens utilisent ici, c'est-à-dire, euh, par exemple, les, les nombres, non Le 70, <rire> 70 et 90, en lieu de... Attends, euh, 70 et 90. Euh, <rire> donc, tous les, les belgismes, hein, pour, euh, par exemple, tu viens avec c'est un belgisme parce que ça, ça vient du, euh, du, du flamand, donc de, de l'hollandais. Hein. Ça vient de l'hollandais ou tu peux dire comme en allemand, euh, mitkommen. Et donc en français, tu dis, tu dis, tu viens avec. Ça veut dire tu viens avec moi. Mais, tu, mais en, ici en Belgique, on dit tu viens avec. Et, et j'utilise ce type de ce type de mots et euh, d'expressions qui sont des belgismes. Donc je dirais, je ne sais pas, je ne sais pas pour le, l'accent. Mais mm-hmm. sans doute le vocabulaire, etc. Ah oui, 
je suis belge. <rire> Donc, il y a beaucoup d'expressions de, en Belgique. Il y a beaucoup d'influence de, de, du néerlandais, du flamand. Euh, ouais. Peut-être pas beaucoup, mais euh, oui, pas mal. Il y a pas mal d'influence, oui. Euh, ouais. Je ne les savais pas. C'est intéressant. C'est Et... très, oui, très intéressant. Ah, très intéressant, oui. Euh, ok, unsere letzte Frage aus, auf Aha, Deutsch. Super. Ja, du hast schon mal in Deutschland gelebt, oder? Ja, genau. Und wie, wie hat dieses Land und diese Erfahrung dein Leben beeinflusst? Oh, äh... Uh... Also, Weil ich denke, dass die deutsche Mentalität und alles in Deutschland ist ein bisschen anders als zum Beispiel in Italien. <lacht> und ja. wie, hat's, wie hast du dein Leben beeinflusst? Äh, naja, äh, also es war zur Studentenzeit äh, und mhm. ich habe wirklich ge gesehen, wie es in Deutschland äh, möglich war, äh, vieles zu unternehmen, was, äh, was in Italien eigentlich nicht der Fall war. Also die äh, Möglichkeiten, die es für Studenten gab, äh, waren, waren großartig. Äh, und äh, ich weiß nicht, also, alles kostete nicht so viel wie in Mailand. Und äh, ja, äh, als Student konnte ich äh, viel mehr unternehmen als, äh, als in Mailand. Und das hat, äh, das hat mich verstehen lassen, dass... Äh, dass es anderswo vielleicht mehr Möglichkeiten gibt für, für ein besseres Leben als in Italien. Ja? Und mhm. ich, wie du weißt, wohne ich nicht in Italien und würde auch nicht unbedingt zurückkehren. Ich habe anderswo bessere Möglichkeiten gefunden und ich fühle mich hier wohl. Und seit wann wohnst du nicht mehr in Italien? Oh, seit... Uh, ungefähr weniger als 20 Jahre. Wow. Ja, <laughs> ja, das ist ziemlich schwierig. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was really great like this. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't speak all the languages you, you speak, so we don't have I like, also, that many languages. I also don't yeah, speak but... Polish, which you speak very, very well. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one Slavic language, yeah. But maybe it's, I'm pretty sure that soon the, the spark will come. Yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, where people can find online your YouTube channel, Instagram, mm -hmm. how, how can people find you? Yeah, I'm on uh, YouTube and on Instagram, both uh, at uh, Lingua e Passione, that's language and passion in Italian. And um, well, I speak about different languages in different languages. So it's a, it's a celebration of uh, language learning in general. Uh, you can get some tips, you can see uh, interviews and stuff like that, and also fun videos. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of interesting content, yeah. I recommend. Thanks. <laughs> I'm a big fan, so I was like, um, I'll be biased. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. If you like this episode, don't forget to follow LingoCast to stay updated with the new ones. And in the description of this episode, you can find all links to Stefano's pages. Thank you very much for listening to another episode. That's all for today. And don't forget, enjoy your language journey. <laughs>